When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Science, the show that breaks down the science of television and movies with a comedian and a scientist. Today we're discussing chasing ocean giants. So I'll ask about sperm whales, pilot whales, and squid. Hi everyone, I'm your host Ethan Edinburgh, and I've got two wonderful guests joining me today. My first guest, wow, he is one of the best stand-up comedians of all time. He's a living legend. He had unforgettable roles in two of my personal favorite TV shows ever, Flight of the Concords and Delocated. I could make this intro so long, it takes up the entire podcast, but I'll just say I'm deeply honored to have him here today. Welcome to the show, Todd Barry. Hey, everyone. Um, so listen, before I, I bring on our next guest, I, I have to ask you, considering what we're talking about today, if you've ever snorkeled. I, you know, I was thinking about that. I know I've never, what's the other thing when you have the tank on? Scuba diving? Scuba diving. Yeah, I've never done that. <laughs> you can tell now that I'm not the scientist on the show. But <laughs> the, uh, I don't, if I've snorkeled, it was very brief and maybe in a pool or something, but I definitely did. I never did, uh. I never did intensive whale, sir. You know, whale sightings. Uh, no. I guess no uh, is the basically no, but maybe once in a pool or something. Okay, that's that's kind of what I figured. I, it was hard for me to imagine you like out in the coral reefs, you know, swimming with uh, sharks or something. Well, it's hard to imagine most people doing that. I would say. That's I would true. argue. <laughs> well, except for our next guest, so it's a oh, perfect shit. segue. <laughs> Our next guest is a marine scientist. She's a diver, exhibition leader, and presenter. Welcome back to the show, Charlie Young. Hey, thank you so much for having me back. Of course, Charlie. Thank you so much for for coming back. Last time we spoke, we talked about Happy Feet, which was a really (laughs) fun uh, penguin-based episode. But, uh, But I believe since then, you've actually swam with some ocean giants. Is that correct? Yeah, so here in the UK, I've been going in search of the second largest shark in the ocean, the basking shark. Um, And yeah, I've been trying to get up close and personal with them in the very cold Scottish waters. Wow. And have you had some close encounters? So sadly, this year, the sharks didn't actually turn up. But last year they did. And oh, it's like, honestly, one of the best things I've ever done. We had a 10 meter long shark just come out of the sort of bottle green waters and just come towards me. And we had this moment of seeing one another and it was like, oh, God. And I was like, oh, God. And it was, yeah, just absolutely breathtaking. You were both equally scared of each other, it sounds like. Yeah, I don't think the the shark was quite prepared to see me. It was kind of going along feeding with its mouth open and then saw me and kind of went, oh, and sort of shut its mouth quickly and then eyed me and continued on its way. Well, my, my hat is off to you for your bravery. I'm, I'm more of a Todd than a Charlie, if I may. I, <laughs> I, as you know, have not spent any time scuba diving or snorkeling. I'm deathly afraid of, of really anything. I'm, I'm, you know, jellyfish uh, alone, I think, would just freak me out. Um, so, 
anyway, I'm in awe of you. Um, but we're here today to discuss Chasing Ocean Giants, which, of course, you can only watch on Discovery Plus. And really, if I'm being honest, the only way to get Discovery Plus is to go to discoveryplus.com slash goodbadscience and start your seven-day free trial. I love this show. I didn't know squat about sperm whales before this. Um, but what about you, Todd? Did you enjoy the show? Were there interesting tidbits you picked up from Chasing Ocean Giants? Uh, I did enjoy it. I, uh, I, I just couldn't believe. I was curious as to the guy who hosted it. He, they said he was a Wall Street lawyer. Yeah. I just don't know. How, how do you make that transition into guy who knows everything about whales and knows how to operate a camera under like was he i wonder like if there were times when people needed legal advice and they were like he's like i'm sorry i'm, I'm going with this uh, snorkel shop i got i don't know <laughs> but uh i thought it was interesting and it was i my favorite part you want to know my favorite part i do or is it too soon for that in the show Let's no i like when when they were sleeping i thought that was really oh, yeah. cool like stan i never knew they did that it's epic it's so mind-blowing that they do that and they're only doing it for such a short period of time so they mentioned around 15 minutes and it's not even proper sleep like we know it's like this half sleep so they stay partially awake whilst they're doing it to keep an eye out for predators to also stay in their social groups and to keep swimming if they need to how many times a day do they do that not that often. They're only doing it for about 7% of the day. So they're spending most of the day hunting. Wow. Yeah, my mind was absolutely blown at that. I mean, A, because of the visual. It, it looks like some sort of big Hollywood like sci-fi production thing. It looks really <laughs> yeah. strange. Like, not natural, I guess. Um, but then also, yeah, that they're so huge. I think they said they weighed like 50 tons and only sleep for 15 minutes. I mean... I weigh, you know, like 150 and some change, and I need like <laughs> nine hours or I'm not functional. So, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, are they doing some sort of like super nap, like super power nap? How does that work? Yeah, it's like, it's like napping. So part of their brain is still functioning so that they can keep aware of their surroundings. But also, you know, a fundamental difference, we're both mammals, but we are involuntary breathers. So our subconscious is always keeping us breathing, whereas they have to physically think about breathing. So, you know, if they oh. just, if they just slept for nine hours, they would die. So ultimately, they have to consciously stay aware all the time so that they can come back to the surface to breathe because otherwise yeah <laughs> they would they would end up drowning but you're saying on the surface it's easier for them or they can breathe automatically so they, they're always I, I don't know you know there are so many mysteries about the sperm whales still we don't even know why they do it in this formation maybe it's a way of kind of protecting themselves or maybe it's just comfortable <laughs> who knows um, but when they come to the surface they that triggers them to breathe but then when they go down obviously they can they don't breathe the same way that we do where we're just you know constantly taking breaths in and out all the time they can take they can go to the surface take 10 breaths and then dive up to 90 minutes so their breathing is a very different process but they have to be thinking about okay i'm running out of oxygen here i have to go back to the surface to breathe because if they didn't do that they they basically would die how was the guy breathing? Because I, I didn't see a tank on him or anything. <laughs> That's oh, a serious so, question. Yeah, so uh, he was free diving. Um, and so, so he was just holding his breath? Holding his breath. He had some skills. So what was the point of the snorkel then? Because wouldn't that get filled <laughs> with water? I don't know anything. 
<laughs> they brought this. me on here because I don't know anything. But, um. <laughs> oh, so an introduction to snorkeling. Um, this snorkel <laughs> is, <laughs> is what you use when you're going along at the surface. If you had to constantly lift your head out of the water to breathe, it would be right. just really frustrating so a snorkel basically just gives you the capacity to hold your head in the water and to breathe but you're right you know it can be pretty dangerous if you dive down to depth with your snorkel still in your mouth um See? so there are a couple of times where he had it in his mouth um and yeah he diving down obviously the snorkel can get filled up and you don't want to go down on a breath run out of all the air that you have and then come up and try and spit a load of water out with a snorkel right. so taking it out is actually the safe way to do it so there you go kids you've learned so i asked a, a good question then you that did was a good question, that was right? todd you are going to be an expert on snorkeling by the end <laughs> of this podcast it sounds like what you're saying is that this wall street uh lawyer guy is wrong no, he's 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 not wrong at all. As you could see, you know, trying to keep up with these animals like sperm whales, although you know, with this drone footage and this footage of them underwater, they might look like they're moving kind of slow. They are not moving slow. They're cruising along and they can just do that and disappear. You know, so it makes more sense to go along the surface with your snorkel and then dive down to try and get close to them. But he has got, yeah, he has got um, a lot of balls to um, get in the water with sperm whales. They're definitely something that I'm just like, oh my God, they're amazing. But at the same time, Is that I'm a scientific term? Very scientific term. <laughs> He's got a lot of balls. Yes. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go. Back to the show about science. Are, are you saying that because they're dangerous? They, they alluded to that a little bit in the show. They were saying that, you know, he, that they were scanning him the same way they would if, if he was food and stuff like that. Yeah, so, I mean... These, these animals are powerful. They hunt giant squid in the deep ocean using echolocation. Like, they're just epic. And I think when you get in the water with anything that big, you are made to feel or you, you kind of really get a sense of your own morality. You realise that, oh, whoa, I am tiny and, you know, insignificant in comparison to this large creature. But, you know, they're... Humans and sperm whales have a bit of a, you know, a, a sad history. We used to hunt them. They have been known to ram boats. We think that there might be some historical aggression, you know, that they still remember times that they were whale, uh, whaled. You know, whaling didn't stop until 1987. That's when it was outlawed internationally. And so whilst I definitely don't think that getting in the water, you should necessarily be, you know, petrified of them. But I think, you know, given that they're the largest toothed predator to ever have existed on this planet, you've got to have a little bit of like a, oh, please don't mistake me for a giant squid <laughs> moment. But still, I think it's just, yeah, just the size of them. It's probably pretty intimidating. Are they endangered? So they're actually considered vulnerable internationally. Uh, so they were whaled like heavily during the 19th and 20th century and their populations took a massive dive then. Um, but since the international whaling treaties come in, um, their numbers have started to bounce back. But the problem is, is that, you know, they 
don't reproduce very quickly. It's, it's crazy. And this kind of blows my mind that females don't reach sexual maturity until they're about nine years old and then don't reach physical maturity until they're about 30. They also don't have calves regularly. They have one calf about every five to seven years. And also they live in these sort of like distinct groups. So the males kind of go off and hang about by themselves and um, live in the polar regions and the females will stay in these sort of complex matriarchal groups around the tropics. Um, and they just don't come together that much. So actually the you know, them bouncing back from whaling is still happening. You know, they're still recovering from, you know, all of the, the whaling that happened. So it's a slow process. Do they process. know how many there are now? Do you know I don't many? know the global numbers specifically, oh. but yeah. But wow. hopefully enough around so that we can all go on a snorkeling trip to see sperm whales. We'll do that. Now that I know what snorkeling is, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you know how it works. You understand the sounds fundamentals easy. of it. Patrick Dexter says it's an addictive feeling to be mm. close to something so massive. Do you find in your work and in your expeditions that, you know, you're kind of addicted to getting close to these huge creatures, powerful creatures? Yeah, it is such a rush getting like up close with these just yeah powerful and incredible creatures. I just think, like I said before, you're kind of reminded of just, you know, kind of how small and feeble you are as a human. You know, we live in our little fabricated worlds. And then when you go and, you know, get up close to like a 50 ton animal, you're like, oh, my goodness, this thing could squish me in an instant. And it really is addictive. And I think that it's just such an extraordinary thing as well to share the water with such an intelligent creature that has so many similarities in terms of, you know, the fact that they have cultures and that they live in these family groups and that they communicate with one another and have dialects. And it's just like, oh my God. And so I just, yeah, I think it does become addictive. And then it's like, you just want more and more and more of it. You go, I think you go one of two ways. You either go your way, Ethan, of like, Oh my goodness, that's it. Get me away from it all. Or you're just like, I want more. <laughs> it's probably the I, best form of, um, well, probably the best drug out there, isn't it? It's free. Oh no, actually, no, going to see Ocean Giants is not very free. It's probably quite expensive, but at least you don't have the. <laughs> I was the... going to say, yeah. <laughs> not like you just walk outside and dive into that hobby. <laughs> yeah. That's got to be one of the only cons, though, is the expense. I feel like compared to other drugs or vices, it's yep. pretty healthy considering. I mean, you're yes. moving around. you got to be getting cardio. <laughs> Exercise. Yeah. Not so yeah, much exercising. of a come down afterwards as well. <laughs> so, yeah, there was a, a few facts that were pretty astonishing to me about sperm whales. You, you were mentioning that they're super smart. Um, mm. And I think he mentioned in the show that they have the biggest brain of any animal. Is yes. that true? It is true, but the size of their brain isn't everything. So the size of brain doesn't actually determine their intelligence. It's more the size of the brain to body ratio. So we think that probably, you know, other animals like dogs, cats, uh, elephants are more intelligent, but that they, they are intelligent creatures. Um, but yeah, maybe not quite as intelligent as the size of their brain maybe makes them out to be to be but they do have probably one of the most sophisticated methods of communication and we're just beginning to scrape the surface with understanding that um and yeah just i mean were you guys blown away by the sounds uh that were coming out of this creature it was something like out of a sci-fi movie it's like yeah 
tick, 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 tick. It would be weird if that that didn't have the biggest brain, though, don't you think? Like, oh, oh the 50,000-ton animal has the biggest brain? That's interesting. It would be weird if it's not like a squirrel had a bigger brain than a gray one. I'm adding comedy to this show. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love it. And I'm, and I'm blowing it. I'm doing badly. <laughs> I think you're on a roll, Todd. Um, you mentioned their, their communication. This was something I was insanely curious about, but they kind of just you know, mentioned it and moved on. Um, how, how does that work? I mean, he was saying they can communicate over like really long distances, and we mm. heard a little bit of it, like you're describing, right? These like clicking yeah. sounds. Yeah. So, you know, I know that we don't know a ton about this stuff, but what do we know? So it's a form of echolocation, which is essentially the animals emitting high-frequency vocalizations. And it's like a sonar on a boat. It essentially helps them to navigate and orientate themselves in the deep ocean where light doesn't penetrate. Because down there, there's, you know, there's no light, so they have to rely on different sensors. And so they use echolocation to do that. Um, and it's amazing. It's really varied. So if you look at uh, different whale uh, species, You've got some that sing. Those are the baleen whales, but sperm whales are classified as toothed whales. And toothed whales use echolocation to do this. And it's not just, you know, clicks that are being sent out to try and navigate their surroundings. There's also complex communication in there. And so they've got a, a load of different types. Um, they've got the clicks and the creaks, which we saw in this episode, which just Oh my god! It makes the hairs on my arms like stand up. I just love it. It's just the like tick, 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 and then it kind of goes up into that creak as they get closer. And basically, what what the sperm whale is doing is sending out this sonar, picks up on something as it gets closer. The intervals between the clicks get closer and closer as it's like honing in, and it's like bam, and that squid literally doesn't stand a chance. Um, but there's some other really cool vocali vocalizations um, when it comes to sperm whales. So they've got gunshots, which can actually reach up to 225 decibels, which is louder than a, a plane taking off. And what? they think, yeah, I know, like mind-blowing. So they just send out these massive, like, poof, gunshots. So it could, yeah, burst your eardrums. Absolutely mental. Wait, yeah. why does it do that? And, and how is it making all of these sounds? It's it's doing it with this. So it's got some special organs in its head, and essentially, um, one of them is the spermaceti organ, which actually has reference to why they're called sperm whales in the first place. And essentially, this organ helps them to amplify and project sound. Um, and yeah, basically, they they use gunshots to locate prey as well. So they use the clicks and the creaks to do that, and then the gunshot is like a a bigger sound that they let out to try and locate prey maybe that's over further distances um but then they also have some uh so their their social communication is called coders and this is where it just gets so cool and one of the reasons why i love sperm whales the most is that you know like i said they're not just using these clicks to locate and ori orientate themselves they're using them to communicate and coders are a series of clicks up to 20 clicks that they'll use and they're like sentences and we're yet to understand what these sentences, you know, contain or what they're talking about. Um, but if we could crack it, it could be absolutely monumental for our understanding and, and kind of, 
yeah our understanding of, of animals and we might even be able to talk back to them but the the one form of vocalization that i think the the funniest is their slow clicks which are the sexy calls i'm going to call them which um they let out and it's usually the males that use them and it's basically just a a very slow and i guess sexy click that they're like hey ladies this is me i'm big <laughs> come and find me <laughs> um but yeah it's really co- really complex um vocalizations and way that they communicate and i just why I just don't love the that. uh the gunshots how would that attract prey wouldn't that scare them off like a really loud sound or yeah so basically um their prey won't be detecting these gunshots because unless they've got auditory organs, they won't actually be hearing it. So it's like a sonar. So essentially they're waiting for it to reverberate and come back at them. Um, Yeah. And because they've got, so this is another great thing about sperm whales is like all toothed whales have this big melon shaped head and it's literally called a melon. And um, this is what helps them to uh, shoot out these, the, the, or to amplify the vocalizations and to also focus them. Wow. Sorry, that was just a massive brain dump of information. <laughs> Todd's That's like, right. yeah, um, please don't apologize. I love that. <laughs> no, that answered my question. That was good. So you mentioned um, the the squid, how the squid don't have a chance. You said, mm, and yeah. I was really curious about that. They showed some of what I guess is some of the first footage we've ever seen of these sperm whales hunting at depth. And I had jerk again. It, yeah. Again, yeah. She's biting something every time. I mean, absolutely. Guts yeah. are going past frame. Unbelievable. I, I had to ask if, if that was true, if we've never seen that before. And then, like, two, what do, <laughs> what do the squid do as defense? Because it seemed like from what you're saying and from what the show uh, described that they're, like, defenseless, you know, <laughs> that they spray this ink or they kind of damage the whales. They had, like, little, like, scars from the squid mm. so what's their what's their game plan here <laughs> i don't think they have one i don't think that they stand a chance <laughs> i feel bad for them why were there no i didn't see any squid in the show did i miss something <laughs> they were in the dark that's they, they were like super deep sea footage see, it was i like want to know how big, how big are they like how big are they <gasps> oh, they are they just get, like, like little <laughs> no <laughs> no they're, they're... I would laugh if they were called giant squid and were actually just like a ruler length in, in size. That would be pretty Okay, pretty great. Charlie, I got that. <laughs> just took a jab at me. She's coming at you, man. She, she, that was a poke. I like it. Though. Okay. Sorry, I'll reel it in. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't want to cause an argument um, with, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that after doing some research that... Oh. Um, Oh, this Drama. could be controversial. I love it. <laughs> we love it. Um, so I was doing some digging because I was like, is this actually the first footage? And I do think that it probably was the first footage. And so amazing job discovery. But I did find a paper that back in um, between 2010 and 2012, some Japanese um, researchers from the University of Tokyo actually did the same thing but attached cameras and got the first images to the best of my knowledge but hey i i don't want to point fingers i co-authored that paper and <laughs> you traveled to japan in order to attach cameras yeah, to sperm whales that's why it's weird that you have me on the show and i'm going to drop this bomb in a minute 
you were probably so pissed watching this show and not like, getting yeah, any credit. Right. It's like if yeah. someone stole one of my jokes or something. Yeah. I mean, uh, arguably worse. I mean, you know, this is like, this is really serious. This has serious scientific implications. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. Here we go. Back to the show about science. Yeah, shots have been fired. But I do think <laughs> that they were the first to record actual footage of it. Um, but yes, mm. we've taken photos of it before, which arguably probably doesn't give you as much information as filming it. And like, honestly, what they did in this episode was just incredible. Like to create suction cup cameras that can withstand ridiculous amounts of pressure and then know when like the light knows how to come on at the you know when when the light dims it's just pretty cool right can you imagine having that as a job how many of those cameras are out there was that is that a prototype (laughs) do you think or there or can i go to like best buy and get one of those (laughs) Mm -hmm. so so i mean are these cameras now more available i think that's a good question no this i know from looking into the episode a little bit more that they actually um came together to try and develop these cameras because one thing i've learned about being a scientist is that you also need to be an engineer the amount of times that i've been in the lab and i'm like i need this contraption that doesn't exist and i need to come up with some odd way of making it and i can bet your bottom dollar that they probably went around to some random shops and bought the most you know random things and it's probably a fantastic hodgepodge of technology i'm sorry discovery i'm not slating your camera system i'm sure it's very good um but yeah it's that's that's one thing that i learned after becoming a scientist is that you kind of need to somehow be able to engineer the weirdest contraptions I mean, well, it worked too. So whatever they yeah, did, yeah, it did. Was Although the suspense was brilliant. <laughs> oh, if it was going to work, and then yeah. if the light was going to turn yeah. on, yeah, 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 that was really good. That was very game show esque. Well, I wanted to ask about pilot whales and I, another species I know little to absolutely zero about. So yeah, mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about what uh, what these whales do and how they're similar, possibly to sperm whales? Yeah, so I just want to probably maybe blow both of your minds. So pilot whales aren't technically whales, they're actually dolphins. So (laughs) something that confuses a lot of people is that all all dolphins are whales, but not all whales are dolphins. And so basically the way to think of it is that you've got whales and dolphins are a small type of whale, but some person decided to have a field day and start calling things whales when they're dolphins just to confuse everybody. So pilot whales... So the sperm whales are dolphins? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. No, they're uh, not. They're whales. I thought you said all whales are dolphins. I'm sorry. <laughs> The other way, I think. <laughs> the other way around. Dolphins. All dolphins are whales. Yes, okay. but n- not all whales are dolphins. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, why, don't, and so, why don't they call them pilot dolphins? I mean, that seems like an easy fix. Yeah, easy <laughs> fix. We could do that today. Um, but pilot whales, yeah. I mean, they're very similar in the way that they, they live. So they live in matriarchal communities. Um, they're kind of considered the cheetahs of the ocean. So they can't 
hold their breath for quite as long as sperm whales. So sperm whales can dive for up to like 90 minutes, which is just mind blowing. Whereas pilot whales can only go down for about 15 minutes at a time. And so what they do is just crazy is they'll spend a lot of time at the surface sort of, you know, breathing and hanging about. And then they'll take these massive deep dives for like 15 minutes, like all or nothing, rapid hunting for squid. Um, and again, they're using echolocation to, to navigate around. Um, but yeah, pilot whales, they, they don't seem to like sperm whales at all, do they really? I was really surprised by that and thought it was just fascinating that they were ganging up on the sperm whales and biting their tail. Yeah. <laughs> so rude. It's got to feel good though, right? Being a little whale and you <laughs> aggravate a big whale. <laughs> like a little bully. Um, okay, and I had to ask about the hydrophone, too, especially speaking of mm. kind of a hodgepodge of whatever they could find, because this, to me, did not seem as technologically advanced, even as the suction What camera. was that? Oh, that was the microphone, right, with the salad bowl on it? Yeah, it looked like, exactly, yeah, salad bowl, like, like nailed mm. to a piece of wood that they yeah. would just stick into the ocean and then plug into a little amp. Yep, that's science for you. Always working on a budget and finding whatever mishmash of things that we can to make scientific equipment. I mean, it seemed like it worked like a charm, though. I mean, they were mm -hmm. able to, you know, determine where it was and then actually steer the boat in that direction. I just yeah. couldn't believe that that was the one thing determining where they were going to go, determining how they were going to, you know, yeah. run into the whales. I guess it's like the most reliable way to find them because they're constantly vocalizing to to communicate with one another, to hunt. And so sound travels four times faster in water and like we were discussing before, can travel over really sort of long distances. And so this is the only reliable way that you're going to be able to find the whales because they're not spending, sperm whales don't spend that much time at the surface. They'll be there for about 10 minutes and then they go back down to the deep ocean again. They're not like other, you know, species species like the pilot whales who do hang about in about 30 to 40 meters of water and, and will stay there mainly whereas i think this is like the most mysterious and awesome thing about sperm whales is just that they turn up for a short period of time and then they're like see ya <laughs> back to the deep ocean with me <laughs> and then they're off um but yeah it, it is it did make me laugh because the episode is like you know patrick's like off on this like crazy adventure and then there's this wooden stick with a salad bowl and a and a wetsuit over it and it's like yeah that's right this is how we row <laughs> but that's every scientist after, um, after 10 years of research yeah. this is how this is where we are yeah we find the most elaborate kind of ways of 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 doing things and i think that's part of the magic of it you know that is pretty epic right that you could get a salad bowl an amp a piece of wood and a wetsuit and then just go on your merry way and find some whales. I wonder if it was a salad bowl that he just grabbed from his kitchen. <laughs> or if he bought it's it specifically for this. Yeah. It seems like, like I never it. make salads. Let's might as well use this. I mean, you know what? They probably did make it there because like, you know, I can't imagine that he traveled through the airport with that. Like, oh yeah, this is just my, my hydrophone. They were like, no, I'm pretty sure that is a uh, salad bowl stapled to a piece of wood. <laughs> I have a good question. Oh, go on. How often do whales actually injure people or hurt people? 
I think because it's chasing ocean giants, you know, they want this element of thrill. And unless you're in the water with these animals, you're not necessarily getting that thrill. So I think that the kind of like dramatic edit made, you know, it was a way of sort of evoking that sort of passion in the audience. I mean, even even me, someone that spent a lot of time in the ocean, seeing some pretty big things, I, you know, that definitely added to the kind of like thrill of it. But I wouldn't say that you are in danger getting in the water with uh, whales. Then they're, they're not out to attack you. Like it discussed in the episode, they're really sensitive and actually probably more afraid of you and worried about you than, you know, you are hmm. of it. And I think the one thing, though, that you do have to worry about is just their sheer size. Like an overexcited sperm whale that came in and was maybe like, oh, could you, could you, could you, could you, all over you could inflict a lot of damage that would probably be like having, you know, concrete blocks slammed against your head. And so you can see at moments he's like, oh, my God, <laughs> trying to get away. Um, and so I think from like the point of view of like, whoa, these are big animals and they could get overexcited and, you know, or it could decide to go, oh, I'm going to pull you down or I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know, you, I guess you just got to, they're wild animals, unpredictable. I think maintaining a distance is always the best policy and not to touch them. Um, but of course, sometimes like in this episode, they just, they're curious and they want to come up to you and they want to check out where you are. They're like, what is this small sort of fleshy being that looks weird? Cause we must look really weird to them. Like when they're scanning you, they're probably like, what is this strange being? <laughs> I can't help but still think about these squid because they keep swimming down. <laughs> and at one point they mentioned they eat 2,000 pounds of squid a day. Yeah. So, and they're defenseless. So, I mean, or whatever, mostly defenseless, I guess, because the ink doesn't seem to do anything. Well, um, oh, oh. Oh, yeah, they they might be soft-bodied mollusks, but they have got Mm. a beak that can bite, like bite through flesh. So you saw that gash on the side of that sperm whale's face. That Uh was probably from uh, a giant squid that she had caught, and then it, you know, its its mouth was still free, and then it went. So pretty terrifying although i don't think that they stand much chance at outmaneuvering and sort of escaping a sperm whale once it's locked on and it's coming for it but definitely they can put up a fight and you know what i'd probably be more afraid of being in the water with a giant squid than i would a sperm whale because they are just prehistoric how big are they how big is a giant squid i think that they can get up to around 15 meters long. I think that they've been recorded that length. Um, but it's really hard, hey? We, we know hardly anything about giant squid populations. The only time that we actually really know anything about them is when they've washed up on beaches. Um, and then in terms of like population, we, we don't really know. The only time that we're able to sort of guesstimate that is when we go through the contents of sperm whale stomachs and find their beaks still intact because it hasn't oh digested. <laughs> Such a great They should make test. an episode to the show uh, from the from the squid's perspective, don't you think? Yeah, exactly. Let's put a little cam, put a little suction cut camera on the squid. That it's a very be... one sided show. <laughs> it would be. That's what I'm saying. I'm on or team squid do... right now. Yeah, dude. He could do inside ocean giants, so we could follow his journey inside the sperm whale. Could go. Oh my god! Mm. Now we're talking sequel. Mm-hmm. There that we go. would be great. Yeah, I mean, there must be millions of them because, I mean, if 2,000 pounds of them are being eaten per whale per day. I mean, calamari's on every menu in New York, so, I mean, there must be a lot of them. There must be a lot of them. 
Well, yeah, so um, for something, again, you know, giant squid and cephalopods in general, so that's, you know, octopus, squid and cuttlefish, they are really intelligent, but they, they grow really rapidly. So you're right, Ethan, I think there probably are millions of squid in the deep sea. Um, and I think that it was about five years um was like the average age of like the the adults that they were so they looked at growth rings i can't remember specifically how they were aging these these squid but they were looking at their ages and at about five years they were fully grown so you know octopuses for example i mean anyone who's seen my octopus teacher um will have learned in that episode that you know octopus only live for a year so they're really really fast growing in comparison to sperm whales but you're right you know they have to be plentiful otherwise there would be no food for the sperm whales i i thank you giant squid for your sacrifice <laughs> So that we can have sperm whales. Um, we, we are running short on time, but uh, uh, I thank you both for being here, of course, and watching this insanely wonderful program on Discovery Plus, exclusively on Discovery Plus. And uh, Todd, uh, I believe you have shows coming up. I'm going to uh, Seattle area, West Coast, Cleveland. Hey, Cleveland, look out. Uh, Detroit area. Go to ToddBerry.com. If, if we're plugging things, I might as well say the website out loud. Yes, yeah. please Todd go Barry. to toddberry.com. If you haven't seen Todd, you're making a, a huge mistake. You will regret really for the rest of you're your life. Really big mistake. Gigantic, a whale-sized mistake. If you <laughs> yes, a giant squid mistake. Um, and uh, and I assume you're 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 doing written material because I do have to say one of your fav- one of my favorite you know specials of yours is the Crowdwork tour, which uh, I've always wanted on to Amazon ask you Prime. About. It's on Amazon Prime. If you haven't seen that, another giant squid mistake please go watch that uh, all the specials are great but that one really threw me for a loop because yeah. you, you went on the road and you just did crowd work the entire time yeah i didn't do one prepared joke it was it was fun it was unbelievably good i adore that special check it out i'm yeah, going everyone I'm go check, check it, out. it out charlie's gonna watch it today or tonight depending yep. on what time it is there. uh and charlie something you want to tell people about yeah, so um, if anyone wants to follow me, they can go onto social media. I'm ocean underscore magpie. Um, and then in terms of things that I've got coming up, so I've actually just launched a new organization in partnership with a charity called Blue Ventures, and it's called Saltwater Britain. And it's all about taking people out for ocean adventures with impact to discover the treasure trove of life above and below UK waves and to get people hands-on with conservation. So wow. yeah, a real feel good factor get out there and see amazing wildlife but then also contribute back to conservation seriously thank you both uh, so much for for watching the show for being on the program and we'll speak to you next time bye 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 get exclusive science shows nature documentaries and more real life entertainment on discovery plus go to discoveryplus.com slash good bad science to start your seven day free trial that's discoveryplus.com slash good bad science Good, the bad, the science of science. Credits. 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 Hosted and produced by Ethan Inberg. Executive producer, Brett Kushner. Supervising producer, Emily Feld. Producer, Darby Rose. Editor, Michael Feld. Talent Booker, Samantha Barella. Post coordinator, Jason McKenna. And research PA. Ali Rubenstein.
Bye bye.